Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Judges chapter 6. Where do we get the name Judges? We want to make sure that we understand what we're reading, uh, the terminology, the uh, nomenclature, what, what we're seeing here. Judges chapter 6. The book of Judges uh, occupies the time between Joshua's life where they had finally conquered the promised land from the time of entering and conquering the promised land until the first king of Israel, Saul. This is the, the period of time that we find in Judges. Now, Judges is uh, it's, it's a book of breakthroughs and defeats. It's a book of an unfortunate cycle of events. And I want you to see this because there are so many parallels in the book of Judges in, in people's lives today, currently, individually, and I really believe corporately as a people, as a nation. Judges, the book of Judges. Uh, this is what would happen. In fact, we read the last verse in the book of Judges. In chapter 21, verse 25, it says, This was a time where everyone did what was right in their own eyes. That's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous time. Does that not kind of sound like America today? Everyone's doing what is right in their own eyes. Do you know we have we have a rebellious nation of overgrown children that's basically saying, you're not the boss of me. <laughs> they say it to God. Our culture says it to God. Our culture says it to, to, to normalcy, manners, uh, ethics, um, Things that, that we, we have accustomed and things that are not traditions but guidelines that have made our nation solid and made it the successful nation that it is. And so what we see in Judges is something that's important for us to understand that, that during this period of time, uh, although Joshua had led Israel as a nation in and they had defeated the large major nations of the promised land, and they had assigned the territory to the 12 tribes. In certain areas, these tribes still had to push out the remaining peoples on their inheritance. Unfortunately, when Joshua died, the nation lost that sense of vision and promise and purpose. Although they had seen the miraculous hand of God. And the promised land had been generally conquered and occupied. There were large areas remaining within the tribal inheritances of foreign nations that God had told them, drive them all out. But they settled for what they had. They settled for just enough. They began to live a life of compromise. How many are with me right now? You know, I think the, the song of victory for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not just help me make it through the night. It's not just get me through the next Sunday. How many are listening to me? It's not just bless me and mine and help us get through. We have to understand that what God has given us, what God has provided for us, we need to make sure we are occupying the promises of God in our life. That we are living to what God has promised to give us. So they, they just compromised. They just said, I'm tired of fighting. They just said, enough is enough. We'll just leave these people here. What harm can it do? Well, this is the harm that it did. The peoples that they allowed to remain in their territory began to influence them. They began to influence the demon idol gods of these heathen nations. And where they had been a people that had honored God and had seen the mighty hand of God, now they're worshiping false gods. Now they're worshiping demon idols. And after a period of time, God had to back up and take his hand off of them. Do you know God is not going to endorse codependency in our life? There have come moments when people have said, God is judging me. God's not judging you. God can't co-sign on your rebellion. God can't bless your disobedience. Is somebody with me? God reaches a point and not quickly, not quickly, where he must back away. He can't endorse what you're doing to yourself. That will ruin your life. And so often at that point, people make a mistake then 
when things begin to get difficult. And how many times have you heard the religious say, well, God's uh, punishing me for my sin. Or God made me sick. Or I lost my job. Or this happened because God wants to get my attention. Maybe we should stop blaming God and look in the mirror. And so they began to worship these false gods. God could no longer fight for them and defend them. And so these nations they had allowed to remain had slowly not only influenced them, but to a degree now they worship false gods. And then these nations now began to greatly oppress them. So the, the story of Judges is this. There are about eight major cycles in Judges where this happened repeatedly. Israel turns away from God. Let, let's, let's look at a clock. I've taught you this before, but let's look at the face of a clock. Does anybody remember a clock that wasn't digital? You remember the one, the round ones that had numbers and the hand goes around? How many have ever even seen one of those? Let me see your hand. Okay, so let's think about one of those clocks, all right? 12 o'clock's at the top. Let's watch this. It, judges, you've got to see this to understand what I'm going to teach you today. This cycle of judges is this. It repeats itself far too often today. So let's look at this cycle. We'll start at 12 o'clock, all right? Everything was good. They'd come into promised land. God had defeated their enemies. He had shown himself mighty. There was nothing in history that even uh, remotely could equate to what God had done. And, and they're here. It's, they're blessed. They, they've been mighty and God has worked. But we're at 12 o'clock. Things are great. We're, it, we're sailing. We're blessed. We, we have our inheritance. We're out of a desert. We're in the promised land. But slowly the hand turns. And they began to take God for granted. And they begin to leave these foreign influences around them and their families. And then they begin to worship the false gods. Are you with me? And they begin to be entrenched in this. And they begin to forget about God. And this, this, this downward cycle has reached six at the bottom of this circle. And now they've reached a place where they can no longer be defended or blessed by God because they have placed themselves in a position that he can't endorse. And things become so difficult there, their enemies attack them and harass them and steal from them. And it gets so bad at 6 o'clock, they finally say, you know, we might ought to take a second look at ourselves. We might need to think about why we're down here at 6 o'clock when we used to be at 12 o'clock. And they began to say, you know, we need to call on God. We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn away from these false idol demons. We need to look to God. And it's 6 o'clock and guess what happens? They begin to cry out to God. And the hand begins to move back up. And, And God begins to answer. And what he would do in Judges, he would send a deliverer or a judge. To lead them into victory over their enemies. Why? Because they're calling on God. And the enemies are defeated. And life gets better. And guess what happens? They're back at 12 o'clock high. It's all good. It's Sunday morning. We're praising God. God is good. Things are going well. It's 12 o'clock. And the Bible says the real test of a man or a woman is not what they do at 6 o'clock. It's what you do at 12 o'clock. Because after a while, again and again, when things got good, when the bills were paid, everybody with me? When everything was moving well, they began to forget about God. They began to take God for granted. They began to do their own thing. Everybody did what was right in their own eyes. What's okay for me? Just because you don't think it's right doesn't mean it's not right for me. There's no absolute truth. Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? We don't know when we're born if we're a man or a woman. We don't know these things. Who are you to tell me what's right and wrong? You can't tell me. Don't judge me. All those words. So, So they began to just acquiesce to the pressures of The surrounding cultures, right? And all of a sudden, they're not at 12 again. They're about 3 o'clock. But they can't see it because they're wrapped in this thing. And what's happening now? It's sliding down. And now it's 6 o'clock again. And it's dark. And the enemy has overwhelmed them. And what used to be fun is not fun anymore. Everybody with me? That high is not high anymore. That thrill is gone. Huh? It's not what you thought. And, the, and this freedom and this, I'm going to do what I want to do and this rebellion. Nobody can tell me what to do thing. You've done your thing. How you like six o'clock? How's that working for you? How's it working down there? Now you're down there where the devil is stealing and killing 
and destroying and ripping you off and stealing your dream and stole your dignity and lied to you and, and all your buddies that left you and you're the prodigal son. Now you're down in a pig pen all by yourself. It got quiet in the house. You know, it's, you know it's somebody else, not you I'm talking about, right? Of course. And so we're down here at 6 o'clock and what do they do? They say, this is bad enough. I'm tired of eating pig food. I'm tired of, I'm tired of doing this. I'm going to go back home. To my father's house. And what happens? They start to repent. The cycle comes back around. You know, you'd think you'd learn something from you, wouldn't that? Again and again. That's Judges. That's the book of Judges. So we jump into this in chapter 6. A cycle that just kept repeating and repeating and repeating over them again and again and again and again. It's just amazing what happened in this thing. It's, it's shocking how often... This repeated on them. And so let's begin reading in verse number one. My translation says this. Again. See that word? Again. Uh, uh, Again. Someone say again. It's the cycle. It's the pattern. It's the one I was talking about. Again. Right? The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive... The Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts, caves and strongholds. Whenever, now watch this. So they literally abandoned their inheritance. They literally walked off from what they had fought for. Are you with me? They literally turned it over and hid in a cave and gave their homes and their land and their future and their inheritance to these Midianites. They ran and hid. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. It gets worse. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, when they worked hard, when they bought seed and put it in the ground, when they put it there, when they worked, when they sweat, when they toiled, when they looked to a future, when they planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land and ruined the crops. All the way to Gaza did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep nor cattle nor donkeys. They came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count the men and their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord for help. That's what I just described to you. I want you to see something. Do you know the enemy's demonic strategy is always to steal your harvest? It is always to rob you at the moment when you believe you're about to have a breakthrough. Do you know that one of your your greatest harvests, not one of the greatest harvests, is your family and your children? And do you know that the devil wants to come in when you've prayed and you've given and you've loved and you've reached and to try to steal a generation away and to steal your sons and daughters and your family and your home and your marriage? It is always the strategy of hell to take what you believed and what you've hoped and what you've prayed to steal it at a moment and steal your faith away. But we declare in this house today that we will not walk through the cycle of judges or take his blessing for granted and the devil will not have our harvest. Someone needs to say that in the name of Jesus. Your family is your seed and they belong to the Lord. Do you see his strategy? It's always that. He always wants to harvest. So finally they cry out to God. Verse 7. When the Israelites cried to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Now, can, can I tell you something? Um, oh, let me be careful here. I believe in the office of prophet. I believe in apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I believe in the offices in the church. How many heard what I just said? But, 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 but we've had too much... <laughs> too many prophets that weren't like this. How can I say that? Because sometimes... You need to hear what you need to hear, not what you want to hear. <laughs> Sometimes the church needs to hear what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. Okay, so, so God sent a prophet, and this is what he says. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you. Ooh, I like that word. Come on, look at that. I snatched you from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them from before you. 
and gave you their land. I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you live. But you have not listened to me. That's what they needed to hear. That may not have been what they wanted to hear. But that's what they needed to hear. Do you know that what you need to hear will bring you to the place you're looking for instead of just what you want to hear sometimes? What I need to hear if I'm off track is I need to get back on track. The wounds of a friend are faithful. What I need to hear if I'm not living like I should be living is you need to start living right. Come on, come on, everybody with me today. Whether you are or not, I'm going to preach this today, okay? What we need to know is that the truth will set us free. The word will set us free. The word of God will put us where we need to be. And so the prophet came. They said, oh, God, help us. And the prophet said, God can help you when you get right with God. You walked off from that and you, you took the blessing off your life. So, so the prophet speaks. Now God is going to re- God is acting now. You ready? What does God do? This is amazing. Watch this. You and I need to hear this today. Let's look at verse 11. The angel of the Lord. Now you need to understand this wasn't just an angel. In the Old Testament, when you read the phrase, the angel of the Lord, it is a pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus Christ. This is the Lord himself. The angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is the pre-incarnate visitation of Jesus. So this is a big message here, okay? This is an important encounter. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. Not Oprah, Ophrah. Just so you know. No, not throwing shade, just so you know. Okay. That... <laughs> You're so afraid somebody want to get this out. He said, oh, bro. No, I didn't. I'm not worried about what I read on here. I'm concerned about what I read in here. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is here. This is way down here. I didn't throw any shade on Oprah. God bless Oprah. God save Oprah. God, if she's not. God, God save America. God save everybody on TV. God save everybody that disagrees with me. God said, everybody hates me and everybody that loves me. Come on, everybody with me? Okay, we're all good. I'm just making sure you know what we're reading here. Because some of y'all thought this was a TV show. I just want to make sure you didn't think it was a TV show. All right. So the angel of the Lord came and sat down of the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash, the Abizarite, where his son, watch this father-son thing. Gideon was, now look at this. Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. You don't... Thresh wheat in a wine press. There's a threshing floor for wheat. There's a wine press for grapes. So what was this guy doing? He was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Do you see the moment this, this Gideon was in? The Midianites, the Amorites, we just read it, had surrounded and occupied the land. They let the Israelites do all the work to sow the crop. And just when it's time to harvest, they come in and steal everything and discourage them. And so Gideon had a little bit of wheat. And he has to go run and hide in a wine press. It's a, a, a stone figure. And so he's down in here where they can't see. And he's grinding wheat. Trying to just get a handful of food for he and his family. He's hiding. Now let me help you with something. A wine press is a place where the grapes or the olives are pressed. And out of that comes something that's valuable. And so that place where he was in was designed to be a place where something good comes out. Some anointing oil comes out. Some blessing comes out. But the enemy had so come upon him, watch this, that he had misused the place of blessing and turned it into a place of barely having enough. When you allow the enemy to come in and camp on your life, when we allow rebellion and disobedience to cause the enemy to come in and steal, kill, and destroy, what God designs to be a blessing, the enemy turns it into a place of lack and barely just enough. And I believe God wants to move in your life 
today and for you to regain the places of blessing in your life, for you to regain the places of harvest in your life. I believe God wants to come in this nation today and turn our churches back into places of blessing, turn our government back into places of honoring God, turn our schools back into places where we can pray and you're not afraid to send your children, turn our nation back into a place where the devil has camped and we say enough is enough. I believe the Lord God himself is ready to visit those that are willing and bring your blessing places back and stop the hand of the devourer. So what an encounter, what a place to meet. So watch this. So he comes. Look at verse 12. Watch this. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Wow. What a declaration. God said to the man hiding in the wine press, living on a handful, good morning, mighty warrior. You know, are there some people you've learned, never ask them, how are you doing? Come on, tell the truth. I mean, you love them, but you learn. Don't ask them how they're doing. See, don't ask that. There's some people I've learned. I'm not ugly. I don't mean it's ugly. I just want to keep it on the up. And so there's some people I never say, how are you doing? I always say, you're looking good today. I never give it room. (laughs) Try it on that person. You know the one, if you ask them, how are you doing today? You got 10 minutes to hear. Well, I got the bursitis. And the arthritis and the meitis and the neitis, and my check didn't come in. Neighbors got loud, dog bit me. It's kind of like a country western song, you know, mama left me, dog left me. If you played in reverse, you get everything back. That, I'm sorry. It, it, it. So, some people you just start off, you don't say, How you doing? You just say, Man, you're looking good today. How's it going? God's been treating you good, aren't you? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Try it sometime. It works every time. It just always works. And so, God, the Lord, Jesus, looks at him. I want you to get this. This guy, and says, Hey, you're a mighty warrior. I want everybody listening to me today. God's view of you is higher than your view of yourself. Every time God God speaks to you, he doesn't just speak to where you are. He speaks to who you are. He doesn't just speak to the moment. He speaks to what he knows you can be. So watch Gideon's response. This guy's at a low moment. So the, the Lord says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13. But sir, Gideon replied, if, sit it out, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. What did we just read? What did we just read? Why was Midian there? Why were they stealing their harvest? Why was all of that happening? Because they had abandoned God. Because it turned their back on God. Listen, this is the blindness of the victim mentality. Are you listening to me today? This is the absolute insanity of the victim mentality because they created their own problem and blamed God for it. Do you know as long as you're the reason you're in the place you're in and you keep blaming somebody else for it, you're going to stay in that place. Do you know as long as I blame everybody else for the situation I'm in, I'm going to stay in that situation. Do you know that Gideon said, well, you're not such a good God. You don't keep your promise. You bless these people, but you don't bless me. He blamed God. Gideon, it's you and your guys that did this. You're the ones that turned your back on God. God walks in and says, you're a mighty warrior. And he's so blinded by his own self-defeat that he can't even hear what God told him. He can't even hear the message. Okay, so watch. Let's keep reading. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have. And save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? I love this. Go in the strength you have. I want you to hear me today. Do you know right here, right now, in this moment, where you think you don't have anything left, God says, I'll start where you are with what you have, and what you have is enough to get us to the next place. God says, go in the strength you have. Listen to your pastor today. You have enough strength because 
the Lord is with you. He said, go in the strength you have. I'm going to go with you. It's not what I have or don't have. It's what God has. It's you and I just being willing to start. How many hear what I'm saying? Gideon, get up out of that wine press and start. I'm going to be with you. I want to speak to your life today. Get up out of that place of rejection. God is with you. Get up out of that place of depression. God is with you. Get up out of that place of lack. God is with you. Stop worrying. What happened over there? Way back over here. What this one said. God says you're a mighty warrior. God speaks to who he created you to be. Look look at this next verse. But Lord. See Gideon two times. The Lord Jesus has spoken to him. But Lord Gideon asked. How can I save Israel? Now look he had this all rehearsed. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I'm the least in my family. Wow. Compare what God said. Jesus said, you're a mighty warrior. Gideon says, I live in the smallest clan. I'm the weakest one in the clan. Let me ask you, how have you talked about yourself this week? How have you talked about your family this week? How have you talked about I had a situation that, that we're working through uh, with, with a situation. That's all I'll say. We're, we're, we're working through. And, and, uh, and I can't give you details. I'm just a situation we're working through. And this person who I felt like wasn't doing the right thing while I was waiting to talk with them, the Holy Spirit said, have you been praying for them? And I said, I've been thinking about it. He said, have you prayed? And I said, not much. <laughs> so I said, oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to pray for this person. I began to pray for them. Because here's what happens. We, we allow all the things around us that we think keep us from where we need to be. Or the way they ought to treat someone in our family. Are you with me? Or how you should be treated at work. I'm trying to help you here. You're a mighty warrior. You're a mighty warrior. When he was down in a wine press, having given up on his inheritance, having accepted that the enemy's stolen my future. His, he's stolen it. I'm not going to have it. I'm going to live in a wine press. I'm going to eat a little handful of flour. That's all I'm going to have. There's nothing I can do about it. While he's there, God says, you're a mighty warrior. While he's down there, God says, you're a mighty warrior. While he's thinking about himself, I'm in the smallest clan and I'm the weakest one in my whole clan. The Bible says, you're a mighty warrior. Do you know today that if you stay down in that place, that's who you'll, you'll always be that. Do you know if you always talk about yourself like that, you'll always be that. Do you know the Bible said the power of life and death is in your tongue? Do you know that we understand from Scripture that we have to speak and agree and line up with the Word of God? Do you know that if you say you got the worst marriage in town, you got the worst marriage in town? Do you know if you say you're a victim and there's nothing you can do about it because of what everybody else did, there'll be nothing that you can do about it? And they'll keep doing that to you. Do you know if you say, I got the worst kids? Hello, you got the worst kids. Do you know if you say, my children are never going to make it because this and this and this and that, they're not going to make it. But do you know if you rise up and say, and just quit talking that stuff. God says, I'm a mighty warrior. God says, he's going to go with me. God says, he's not through with me. God says, the plan's not over. I refuse to turn America over to the devil. I refuse to give up and say, there's nothing we can do about this nation. I refuse to say, there's not going to be prayer in school. I refuse to say, we're going to lose this thing and the devil's going to take it over. Because I've got an investment. I have seed. I have a harvest. I have children. I have grandchildren. My children's children are going to serve the Lord and rise up and be blessed of God. And nobody Nobody's going to lie to them, deceive them, tab them, take them over. They're not going to be confused about who they are. They're not going to live in hate. They're not going to live in fear. They're going to be blessed. They are mighty warriors. And I will not say anything but that they are mighty warriors. You are a mighty warrior. I want to say something that's a little hard, but you need to hear it. If anybody has told you you can't because of something else, they're not helping you get to where you need to go in life. If the people you talk with and hang out with and always complaining and moaning and say, you know, we always get the low end of things. We always get the short end of the stick. People always take advantage of us. It's always this and that. If you are with people that talk like that, they're not your friend. They are not speaking the word. They are not speaking life. If you've got to leave them and get some more friends, leave them and get some more friends because God's not through with you yet. You're a mighty warrior. Someone say mighty warrior. So God says, I'm going to be with you. So 
Gideon says, I've got to expedite because I want us to pray together. Gideon says, okay, let me give you an offering. Let me give you an offering. It's a good thing. So he says he went, he, he goes and gets a calf and he, he, he gets almost this large amount of, of, of flour and he puts it on a rock, probably gave him in, in, in the context of that, of that moment, every bit of flour he had, he gave in that offering. And, and it says the Lord touched it with his stick and a flame came up and Gideon finally realized, he said, my goodness, I've been talking to the Lord. His offering, you know, there comes a place when you're struggling with, am I going to believe what God says or what I've been rehearsing, where you just come to him and say, here I am. You know, God just wants it. Here I am. I'm an offering. Look at Romans 12, verse 1. What, what do we see here in Romans 12, 1? There's an offering God wants from you today. There's an offering God wants from me today. And this is it. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice. Today, I want to tell you something. The devil can't have what's on the altar of God. The devil can't follow you on the altar of God. If the devil's been stealing from you, you need to bring your stuff and get on the altar. If the devil's had your family, you need to grab your family and come get on the altar. We need to stop complaining. We need to stop doubting. We need to stop fearing. And we need to go give the Lord an offering. Gideon said, God, I hear your word. Here's an offering. Let's get it done. That's your spiritual act of worship to God. So here's the plan. Come on, let's read it quickly. So, uh... Verse 24, watch this. You got to get this. I call this the order of the altar. How many heard what I said? Order of the altar. Verse 24. So after this offering he gave to God, Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it the Lord is peace. Jehovah Shalom. God is peace. Okay. To this day it stands. Now look at verse 25. That same night. Now watch. Gideon built an altar. But the same night the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old. I don't have time to go through all this. If you'll remember, we read earlier, for seven years, the Midianites had been oppressing them. And now he says, there's a bull that's been growing for seven years in your house. The day the enemy came to against you, God had already planted something with you that would defeat everything he was going to come put in your life. We waited sometimes seven years for God to do something and it was there before you prayed the first time. We've been asking God to make it happen and God said, I already had it waiting on you. Okay, so let me, I can, let's just go on. So take the second one, seven years old. Watch this. Now remember, God, Gideon had built an altar, but this is what God says. He says, tear down your father's altar. Did you hear that? Tear down your father's altar. Gideon was living under the rebellion of his father. Gideon was being influenced by his father's false worship. And if you want to come out of that wine press and that place of lack and walk into your blessing and be the mighty warrior God called you, are you listening to me, everybody? You might have to go somewhere your family hasn't gone yet. All right. So he says, tear down your father's altar to Baal. Baal was the God of fire. Baal was a God. They put their children in a fire and burned their babies to worship that demon God. There's always been an attack against children when hell is moving. Okay. Let's keep reading. He said, and then cut down the Asherah pole beside it. So his father's altar was an altar to a demon God, Baal which was at the expense of children. The Asherah pole next to it was to a goddess of fertility, and they worshiped perverted sex in that setting. Kind of sounds like America. He says, your fathers, the culture, have built altars at the expense of children and perverted what should be a normal relationship between married men and women. He said, you got to go tear that down. Is all right still with me? Thank you for those four. Then, are you with me? Tear it down. And now we're at verse 26. Then build a proper kind of altar. He says, you're going to use the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down to the burnt offering. Isn't interesting? Gideon built an altar. But then why do you have to build another altar? Because his father's altar was standing there. It says it was on the high place. You can't build a proper altar on top of the ungodly altar. 
You understand that until you tear that altar down, you can't build an altar in your life. And what I think people are trying to do today is saying, I want the altar of God in my home, but I'm not willing to tear down the other altar. I want God to bless what I'm doing, but I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. I, I, I want the blessing of God, but I'm not willing to tear down where I've been. I'm not willing to eradicate the things that have invaded my life. I'm not willing. I just want God to bless it. I just want God to put something on top of it. I don't want to tear it down. I don't want to change. I've, I've incorporated these things in my life. I've, I've brought them into who I am. They're part of what I do. And I just want to be blessed. I, I, I don't want to repent. I just want to be blessed. I don't want to stop my sin. I just want God to love me anyway. He loved you anyway. He loved you before you sinned. I'm going to make somebody mad. He loved you while you were sinning. He loved you when you're rebellious. He loved you when you're disobedient. But your rebellion and disobedience uh, does not allow him to bless you like he wants to bless you. And you can go to church for a thousand years. You can read a hundred Bibles. You can give a million dollars. But until you tear the false altar down, you can't build the one the fire of God falls on. So you can't go to church... And the word be preached and somebody tell you, you're okay, I'm okay. You can't go to church and somebody teach you, it's all right. It's not all right. Those things are ripping you and robbing you and stealing your inheritance and allowing the Midianites to steal your family and allowing the worship of a generation to rob the next generation. We can't build godly altars on top of pagan altars. It's never going to work. So Gideon tears his father's altar down. That takes some guts. Now, give the boy some credit. He said he did it at night because he was afraid. But he did it. You may be afraid, but just do it anyway. I got to hurry. So God's got him where he wants him now. Look at verse, you got to read verse 34. In chapter 6. Verse 34. Then, someone say then. How many want the spirit of the Lord on your life? You notice there was a then? There was a then? I want the Spirit of the Lord on my life. I want the Spirit of the Lord. I need the Spirit of the Lord on my life. I want it so much, I'll tear down the false altars in my life. Anybody with me? I'll tear down the things that are sitting in the place where God wants to come bless my life. I'll tear down the things if, if I was afraid to get started. It's okay. Do you know that, you, that, that, that obedience can operate even when you're afraid? Isn't that some good news? Do you know I can obey God even when I'm scared to obey God? God will honor that. But then, after one altar got torn down and the other put in place, then what happens? Watch this. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Listen, I wrote this down because I haven't read this before. This is literally the, the translation from the Hebrew. Listen, the transliteration. Listen to this. It says, then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Listen, it says, then... Listen to this. Then the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. Oh, you didn't hear that. Let me say it again. Then the Spirit of God clothed himself with Gideon. Now think about our modern heroes. I, 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 I gotta, I, think about our modern heroes. Think about Iron Man. Everybody seen Iron Man? Come on, tell the truth. You've seen at least one of them, haven't you? Okay. Iron Man is the reverse of this. Iron Man is the weak man on the inside. Are you with me? Covered with the armor on the outside. That's Iron Man. You got me? This is the opposite. This isn't the weak man on the inside and the armor on the outside. This is what God says. If you'll follow me, if you'll get up out of that wine press, if you're willing to tear down some altars, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to come walk in your life. The spirit of almighty God is going to be on the inside. And I'm going to put you on. I'm going to clothe myself with you. It's going to look like George Sawyer. It's going to look like grandma. It's going to look just like everybody else. But on the inside, come on, somebody help me. But on the inside, on the inside, don't judge me by what you see on the outside. Because I'm just the clothes covering the spirit of almighty God. I may not know how to dress for success. I may not drive up in a Lamborghini. I may not walk in your house with everything you think is 
success, but on the inside, I am indwelt by the Spirit of the living God. He put me on. He put me on. I believe God wants to find churches and put them on and live inside people who simply say, God, I'm willing. I'm tired of saying I'm the weakest. I'm the smallest. I failed. I blew it. My reputation is a mess. My name is an insult. I'm ashamed and I'm guilty and I'm sorry. And God says, let's take care of that because I want to move inside of you. That's what God does. I got to finish. So God says, okay, I got the boy where I want him now. You know, God always starts with a man or a woman. He's always looking for a man or a woman. I want you to get this. This whole thing started with one defeated guy building an altar. And God says, I got, I got somebody now. I've got someone now. So he takes this army down to fight the Midianites. And God says, nah, chapter 7, you got way too many, bro. Way too many. Must have been 32,000 because, look at this. This is when you get scared if the Spirit of God's not with you. God says, too many. Tell all those that are afraid to go home. He says, okay, now, come on. You know how men are. If, if we got something that's our problem, tell the truth. It's our, it's our pride. It's our pride. So here's all these men, this army. He says, okay, if you're afraid, you can go home. 22,000. 22,000. Don't you know Gideon's like... Get back over here right now. <laughs> no, they walk off. So he's got 10,000. That's how I got 32. 22 and 10, I can add. So there's 10,000 left. And so God says, you got too many. And you know, Gideon's going. Remember, it says you couldn't even count the number that would come against them. And two more nations had joined in. So Gideon's like, this, all right. He said, you're with me. He said, take them down and let them get a drink. I said, go down and get a drink. Only 300 picked it up in their hands and drank like that. Everybody else stuck their head in the creek. I guess he says, I want the guys paying attention to what's going on. I want the alert. I don't want the guy to go run, stick his face in the first thing. Let me have somebody looking around. Somebody says it was the tongues crowd because they laughed it up, but I didn't say that. Just somebody said. Anyway, so he said, okay, we got it now. We got it. Army of 300. Can you imagine that? This isn't a fairy tale. 300. So this is the plan. We're going to go down at night. Oh, yeah. So Gideon's still kind of nervous. And he, 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 he goes to this guy said, go, go look at him. Go over there. And he hears two of the Midianites, the Amorites, talking. He says, man, I had a dream. Gideon's listening. These are his enemies. He said, I had a dream. And, and Gideon's listening. And, the, and his buddy said, well, what was the dream? He said, man, this barley loaf rolled down in the middle of our camp and distorted everything. His friend said, it only means one thing. God's about to whip us bad. Gideon's God's going to get us. Out of the mouth of his enemy, come on, somebody. Out of the mouth of his enemy, God prophesied to him. So I want to look at you today, straight in the face, and I'm going to tell you, your enemies that have been surrounding you, when you allow God to clothe himself with you, you're about to see this thing turn around in your life so big. Are you listening to me? That out of the mouth of your enemy, they're going to begin to speak the blessing of God that's coming on your life. You might as well get ready for it. You might as well quit fighting them and fussing and cussing them because they're about to speak a prophecy over you. Your enemy is about to declare that God's working on your side. It's about to happen. So God says, all right, Gideon, this is the plan. I want you to go surround them. That's funny. 300. Could have been over 100,000. Surround them at night. Okay, that's good. We can hide. And here's the plan. Gideon's going to blow the trumpet. You've got a torch inside of an earthen vessel. And when he blows the trumpet, crack the vessel and put the torch up in the air. Awesome. So now they can find us and see us because we're crazy tunes blowing a trumpet and waving a light for 100,000 to 300 to come get us. That's the plan, Gideon. We don't come up with that plan. But it's not about us anyway. God already was in front of him. God already said, I'm going to be with you. Do you realize if God is with you, you don't even need 300. You just need to say yes to God. You know, if God is with you, we need to stop. I told you this last week. Listen to me. If you and I will stop counting, God will stop measuring. 
If you'll stop counting, God will stop measuring. If you'll start try, stop trying to figure out how we're going to do this, God's going to show you how he's going to do it. So they blow the trumpet, crack this, put up these things in the air, the torch, and the people kill themselves. And they win. And it all started with a guy hiding in a wine press who said, I'm the weakest, I'm the lowest, there's nothing I can do, I've given up. And this is what I want to say to you today. A God before you who can be against you. If God walks in your life, there's nobody that can stand against you. And God today is saying, I'm going to take what the enemy has lined up against you. I'm going to take what's been spoken over you. I really believe this. I believe there are curses spoken over your life. I believe I'm not trying to be ugly. They didn't mean it. A lot of them came from your family. And you grew up hearing you can't. You grew up hearing we can't. You grew up hearing it's not fair. I know I'm brattling some cages here. You grew up, you grew up hearing it's not right. Well, it's about time that you allow the Lord God to walk into your wine press and tell you you're a mighty warrior and tell you it's not over, it's beginning. That the future is going to be better than your past. I want you to stand with me. I want to pray. Worship team, come, come on. We're going to pray. I want to pray, pray, pray. Come on, let's pray. I want you to get to this place to see that God's not intimidated where you are today. How many heard what I just said? Do you know God's not waiting till you get it right? How many heard what I just said? He's not waiting till you get more on your side. He's not waiting until you figured it out. He's not waiting until you think you're ready. God's ready today. God says, mighty warrior, today. God just looking for a man or a woman that he can use. Just someone to be obedient. Someone who dares to believe him. That's what God's looking for right now. God will go to work. I want my prayer for Calvary, for you and I, for me, my family, for this church to say, when we see the spirit of the Lord came upon them, remember last week it was overshadowed. And this week, what does the, what does the, whole, the word say? God put himself, God clothed himself with Gideon. On the outside, we don't look like Iron Man. <laughs> On the outside, we look like Barney Fife. But on the inside, we're bad to the bone. Come on, the inside. You don't know what's on the inside. You, you, you don't want to mess what's on the inside. The devil don't want to mess with what's on the inside of you. So you got to get that. You've got to get that. See, the devil's been eyeing you because you've been acting like Barney Fife. You with me? You've been talking like Barney. You've been hanging out with a Barney support club. club. You've been talking about how bad it is. Some of you don't know who Barney Fife is. Let me think of a, I don't know, who's more current? Somebody help me out. I don't know, it doesn't matter. But, but you're in this thing, and it's become your culture. Listen to me. We've developed a culture of defeat, a culture of excuses. You know, your excuses become your tomb. Your excuses become your tomb. They become your jail. And we've, we've allowed those things here. We, we, we talk about it. I, I have to catch myself. And, and someone will say, you know, uh, if there's a challenge going on that day, it's not denial. It's just I'm not going to give the devil credence. I'm not going to be the devil's PR man. I don't deny it, but I don't have to talk about it. I'm going to talk the word. I'm going to talk what God said. If God says you're a mighty warrior, claim it. You know, some of you, some of you ladies need to go get your lipstick and write mighty warrior on your mirror tomorrow morning. Why are you getting ready? Instead of saying, you know, I don't look like I looked 10 years ago. Who does? Huh? Instead of, instead of comparing yourself, my, my Lord, you're 45. That, that lady on the magazine's 20. You're not going to look like her. And you're worried about my husband. Look at him. He doesn't look like the Hulk either. You understand? And if he's got one bit of sense, he knows that 20-year-old don't want anything to do with him. And he ought to be thanking God that you still want to do something with him. You, you, are somebody with me in this thing? Let's get real. Let's go home with it. Don't leave it here. Let's go home with it right now. Do you understand that? Well, I don't have this. Well, if, evidently, you don't need it. God didn't come by the wine press and say, Gideon, bro, you looking bad in there. You get your act together. I'll come by next month. Let's see if we can do something. That's not how it works. God says, you ready to go? You ready to go? You're a mighty warrior. I'm ready. I'm with you. I'm for you. You're a mighty warrior.
Whenever you get sick and tired of the wine press, you'll find out God's been standing there by the wine press all this time. God's word's been resting on me all this time. I'm going to walk at this thing. You're the person that's going to change your family. You're going to change them. God just needs a person. God just needs a woman. God just needs a man. He says, okay, let's start. Let's start where you are. Do you know your little boys and girls over in that classroom can change the school they're in? What do you talk to them when they go to school? What do you say to them in the morning when you pray with them? What do you say with them before you go to bed at night? If they're struggling with their, with their academics, you know, we're praying academic excellence over them every day. Here's what you say to them. I know this is hard right now, but you're going to get this. I know you're struggling right now, but you're going to make it. Don't you dare pull that card and say, well, if you had a good teacher, you'd be doing it all right now. It's not your fault. Stop that. You're making a victim out of your child. You look them in the face and you tell them, you got everything it takes. You've got everything it takes. We're going to get through this. I'm going to work with you. Maybe you'd turn that phone off and sit down and do some homework with them. Prophesy over them. You might get them over that hump. I'm preaching now. You just listen to me. All right? Because here's what you believe. You believe there's a mighty warrior looking back at you. You believe there's a mighty warrior looking at you. You believe that they can do everything God said they could do. And you're not going to give them an excuse to stop. You're not going to speak death over them. You're going to look at them and say, you're going to change the world. You're going to make mighty things. You're the awesome thing. That's who they are. That's who we are. We speak to them. Come on, let's pledge before God. Our children will never have to tear down our altars. Come on, say it today. My children will never have to tear down my altars. I'll tear them down. I'll tear them down. My children will not have to tear my altars down. I will build an altar that my children can worship on. I will build an altar my children can stand on. They won't have to tear my altar down. They're too mighty. Are you with me? You see where we're going? I believe it's time to have a victory in the house of God. I believe it's time to have a victory in the families of God, in the homes, in the school. We're not going to lose this thing. We're going to win it in the name of Jesus. Your children are not going to be transgender. I know I just said it. Your children are going to know who they are. Your children are going to be mighty in God. They're not going to be confused. They're not going to hate. They're not going to lie. They're not going to be prejudiced. They're not going to be mean. They're going to be mighty and strong and courageous. They're mighty in God. And the devil better get his stupid cotton-picking hands off of them. Because. Because. God put us on. God's wearing us. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.